Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we're looking at cases of real-life black magic. <laughs> now, let's kick things off with this week's fact or fiction. The evil eye, which is a symbol often seen on jewellery, used for protection against bad luck, dates back as far as 3000 BC. Is that fact or fiction? Find out at the end of the show. It's most likely that magic has been practised since the beginning of recorded history. Efforts to explain the mysteries of the world and to find a way to control them gave rise to magical practices and rituals to manipulate the weather, the movement of animals, fertility, illness, death and other uncontrollable forces. Magic has taken many forms and evolved over thousands of years, including shamanistic magic, tribal magic, voodoo, Christianity, witchcraft and Satanism. Gather round now as we hear some real-life examples of magic. These are stories of individuals who have practised dark arts and dabbled in forbidden realms of the occult. Let's travel to the heart of New Orleans, a city steeped in history, culture and a deep connection to the supernatural. In the 19th century, a woman named Marie Laveau rose in popularity. She became known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. She was a powerful figure who blended African spirituality with Catholicism, creating a unique form of voodoo that still influences the city's traditions today. Marie was born a free person of colour and was said to have been baptised in St. Louis Cathedral. The exact historical records of Marie Laveau's life remains ambiguous, but she was described as a devout Catholic who was known for her acts of charity. She defied pro-slavery laws and was a hairdresser who became the town confidant. Oh, and of course she was well known for her connections to voodoo, but still made it to mass every Sunday. From love spells to hexes, her influence was undeniable and her legacy unmatched. But what is voodoo? Well, we've spoken about this before and, of course, Marie Laveau's character and her history. But voodoo came to Louisiana with enslaved West Africans. They merged their rituals and practices with Catholicism and about 15% of the people in New Orleans are said to still practice voodoo. And as we spoke in that previous episode, voodoo is often seen as dangerous and evil. 
But in reality, it's a religion connected to nature, ancestors and spirits. And those who practice voodoo believe spirits can interfere with lives and those who practice voodoo can influence these spirits. And stories say that because Marie built up such a trusted reputation as a hairdresser, she began to offer voodoo rituals and spells to her clients. And she held large voodoo ceremonies in towns and at her summer home. There were said to be secret ceremonies in the swamp where Marie would perform rituals and even spirit possession. She was highly regarded as she created places of worship to enslaved and free African people. And there have been many claims of the spirit of Marie Laveau walking the streets of New Orleans. Perhaps she's still helping the people of New Orleans. Well, I, as you know, have seen the work of a poppet or voodoo doll. And let me tell you, this stuff is very real and very, very dangerous. So if you do see a voodoo doll for sale in the shops and you buy it, be very careful. Do your research first. Just a few years before Marie Laveau passed, one of the greatest and most controversial characters was born, Alistair Crowley. Now, he was born in Royal Leamington Spa on the 12th of October 1975. He had a whole host of titles, a poet, a magician, a journalist, an alchemist, a philosopher, a spy even, and a self-affirmed drug fiend and sex addict. He was also known by many as the Great Beast or the wickedest man in the world. But why? He played a major role in the creation of alternate religions like Wicca and the Odu Templi Orientis. He also founded the Order of Thelema, a semi-satanic cult whose famous edict was Do What Thou Wilt. He travelled all around the world from Egypt to India, the Far East, all over Europe and North America and Australia. He first stepped into organised magic, or magic with a CK as he liked to spell it, It was the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. This was a secret society dedicated to the study of mystical and magical practices. He advanced through the ranks, but dropped out after having a falling out with the leadership. I wonder what that was over. So you can actually have a look. We'll put this on our socials. You can actually see Crowley in his Hermetic Order robes below. He looks very, very creepy. It's almost like um, he looks like an Egyptian pharaoh with this sort of headdress on. Uh, He's wearing a long gown with long sleeves. And then over his shoulders, almost like a shawl, he's got like a, a leopard skin. And he's looking very, very severe. He's holding something in his hand like a stick or a rod, but I can't work out what it is. Amazing. I mean, he's certainly... Is a very interesting character and he did own a property once, I know that. I think a famous musician bought it. Oh my goodness me, if I could have had the opportunity years ago, um, I think the house went on the market. Wow, wouldn't it have been good to have gone round there? What went on in his house? Well, as we mentioned before, his most significant contribution to occultism was the development of his own order, the Order of Thelema. And he claimed the idea for this was revealed to him during a series of mystical experiences. The phrase, do what thou wilt, implies that individuals should discover and pursue their true purpose or will in life. Well, Crowley claimed to receive the Book of the Law, a sacred text that outlined the practices of Thelema and had mention of a great beast, which he claimed to be. In the years that followed, Crowley founded the Abbey of Thelema in Sicily as a communal experiment in practising Thelema. 
It was during this time that he became notorious for his unconventional lifestyle, including drug use and sexual rituals, which earned him a reputation as a, quote, wicked and immoral figure in the media and society. Sexuality played an important role in Crowley's ideas about magic and his practice of it and has been described as being a central theme in Thelema. He argued this sex magic could be used to focus the magician's will onto a specific goal such as financial gain or personal creative success. Yeah, right. Uh, Sex was a sacrament for the order. Now, skip forward five seconds now as it's about to get a little gross. If you creeped and grossed out by anything sexual or anything like that, then just skip skip forward. Uh, okay, the consumption of sexual fluids, oh dear, was seen as Eucharist in the order, and these were often in the form of cakes of light, which were biscuits containing these fluids. Who the hell put that together and baked those? Oh, the state of the oven. Anyway, both during and after his life, Crowley was described as a Satanist, even though he did not worship Satan, as he didn't accept the Christian worldview in which Satan was believed to exist. Ronald Hutton, a historian specialising in early modern Britain, stated... To the greatest aim of the magician was to merge with a higher power connected to the wellsprings of the universe. But he, Crowley, did not trouble himself too much to define that power consistently. Sometimes it was God, sometimes the one, sometimes a goddess and sometimes one's own holy guardian angel or higher self. In the last analysis... Crowley was content for the nature of divinity to remain a mystery. As a result, he wrote at times like a monotheist and at others like a polytheist. In his autobiography, Crowley claimed that his purpose in life had been to bring oriental wisdom to Europe and to restore paganism in a purer form, although what he meant by paganism was unclear. So was Crowley really a user of black magic through these strange sacraments and rituals? Or was he just an enthusiast? I think Mr Crowley was definitely an unusual man and one that many people feared because of his practice in magic. I mean, I would take a guess and say that what we know publicly about Alistair Crowley is the dumbed-down version of the truth. I think the sexual fluid cakes... (laughs) are just just one of the many things that probably went on there that would make us all feel a little bit bilious. Um, I'm thinking that he went beyond the weird and strange to even more peculiar practices that were probably against the law. So why was he doing this? He probably in the beginning was fascinated by witchcraft, it's history and everything surrounding it decided to go one step further maybe many steps further and I believe that spells performed and cast by witches are real and can be used for many good reasons but I also know they can be used for bad ones too. This week we have Benjamin from Wales sharing his experiences at the Skirid Inn with UFOs and at his nan's house. Loose Lips, the podcast where we give our expert, not so expert advice. Join us as we figure life out one episode at a time. Yeah, you don't want them break dancing in the middle of <laughs> Weatherspoons, do you really? A tanned ankle, no socks, boat shoes, so they have like a partially tanned foot. <laughs> so you got through it? Yeah, well, I mean, well, we're not together now. But... Oh, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say I'm furious. High five yourself, boom. Whoop. Another life saved, you know? 
Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Loose Lips for weekly topics and some seriously juicy listener dilemmas. Hi, Yvette. Um, this is Benjamin I'm from Newport in South Wales. Um, big, big fan of Most Haunted Rose have been. And so I was super excited when you had your, this podcast. Um, yeah, I've I've had a lot of experiences, um, paranormal, things I can't explain. And I've seen things, heard things, and but I absolutely love it all. Um, and I've had quite a few experiences, so I'll, I'll try not to waffle on a bit too much. But um, yeah, things that I think you might be interested in. Uh, we did, uh, me and my auntie and my uncle did a... A ghost walk um, at Skirden in Abergavenny uh, back, I think it's October 2022, and it was only an hour walk. But um, they took us to the graveyard where um, Fanny, um, who was the old landlady, um, where she was buried and stuff. And we did a walk, and we didn't experience that much. A few like noises and a few shadows, and that was it. But we then decided to want to do the um, actual ghost hunt itself, which was like from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. at Skirden. So they took us back to the the um, cemetery, which was, I think we did it a few minutes later, this was. And it was absolutely incredible. And this split is into two groups. Um, but I purposely went with another team. So my auntie and uncle went on there, went with the people I went on my own because I wanted to, you know, perhaps other experiences and then we can come together to see what happened to you rather than be together oh yeah so it was conscious decision and it was absolutely incredible um from literally it was from the first moment we, we put into a room and stuff and it we heard dragon above us saying that there was no attic there's no floor in the attic um and then we did with a i did my first ouija board which i would never ever do before um because it just the thought of it just terrifies me but in a control environment, it was it was incredible. Um, and then we also did um, like a sales type of thing. And I can remember this girl who was um, who was in my group, and she had a pon- ponytail, but it was it was like it was down. All the lights were really, really low. We had like these just, these fake hands on the table, but they're quite bright. And I can remember looking up, and and in her face was this aged woman who had really wiry hair and the best way to describe it is um like edward scissorhands or the um oh, the guy in hocus pocus and they raised him from the dead that wiry hair and it was this woman was staring at me um it was only when i was looking through the light um it was really strange and then i felt like a, a cat in between my legs and then i did actually then see like a um half of a cat but like jump um, through the door, it was just really strange, and it was just really strange experiences. Um, but I absolutely loved it, and yeah, we we're gonna do more ghost since um, because we just love them. Um, but yeah, I I've I've just I've always seemed to attract the paranormal, and no matter where I go, um, and even I've I've seen a few UFOs. Um, and Newport um is a bit of a hotspot UFOs. Um, I think quite famously was that police helicopter. I think went police or South Wales police, and they were um following a UFO a couple of years ago. But I can't remember me and my mother. Um, back in 2010, we um were waiting outside. Uh, for my auntie was coming home from a party, um, a taxi, and where I lived, they turned the lights off after a certain time, nine, ten o'clock. They turned the lights off. Um, so we thought we'd go to the back garden and we can we'll wait for her. And it was a really clear, clear night, stars. The moon, it was, everything was all clear. And we just happened to be looking at me and my mother. And we saw two 
objects and stuff that look like mint imperials. That's the best way because they weren't circular, like perfectly circular, more like an oval. It was strange, and one was bigger than the other, and they were white, almost like glowing almost, and they were massive. I'd say ten times bigger than when you look at the moon from from how we see it. It was ten times bigger than that, and one was throwing. The one was almost attached to the other, but it wasn't. It was really hard to describe. Um, and there was no sound. It was they've literally just kind of like drifted over us, and um, there was no trail. It was just, it was just that. So um, my mother, my mother, who's a fantastic drawer, drew them, and I kind of reached out to um, the UFO Research Society. I've kind of reached out to the Ministry of Defence, kind of like to say, you know, this. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't a helicopter. It wasn't a satellite. Um, we always try to try and just you know, try and work out what it could be. Um, anyway, um, and then the following few days got a bit weird after that. Um, my kitchen locks open onto a footbridge beside the house, um, and it, it's so cars and people can drive over it. And I can remember it was, it was raining really heavily a few days afterwards, and there was a man um, in a long coat. And like a 1940s, 1950s hat. Um, and I remember it was pouring down with rain. And we saw that. Um, and it was in here. He was just like staring at, at me. But if, I'd say he must have been about 40, 50 metres away. And I can remember him standing. I can see him now, actually. Now, and this, is, this is, again, like 13 years ago, this was. And I remember, yeah, him staring. And I remember I was, I was studying law at the time in college. And the college wasn't that far actually from where I lived, so I could walk there and back in about 15 minutes, I'd say, each way. And I can remember going on lunch break and a black car following me, but it wasn't a car that I recognised. And I, I love my car, so I would recognise a Mercedes, a BMW, you know, a Lexus. You could tell the difference, but it seemed to be a bit. It was a modern car, bit of black and black tinted windows. The number plate wasn't British. It didn't look British. Um, it didn't even look European, um, which you can tell through the European the EU flag. Um, and it followed me all the way, I'd say, from the college to the lunch. And then when I got into Tesco's, which is a massive Tesco's, so you can get lost in quite easily. Um, I could stay there for a bit. And when I came out, the car had gone. Um, and then I'd seen it once and I was walking home. And yeah, um, after that, it just disappeared. So I've never, I've never seen it since in terms of the, that, the, the black car, which, you know, and then do not research. Um, I thought might be in the men in black, which I thought was a bit silly at first. But how could that be real? But again, maybe it's because my reports that I've sent to the, the MOD and to the British, I think it was the before I was the British um, UFO Society. Um, uh, yeah, maybe someone got a hold of something and thought, okay, we need to scare the person. Um, and again, um, a few years later, I think when I must have been about six, 17 or 8, it was 18, um, I was off my nan's house and I was in the back garden. And yeah, I seen this this object fly through the sky, but it was really low. I'd say, it, I mean, it was, and for me, it looked like a, it seems to be a, bit of a muffin or like a muffin casing, that kind of metal casing, 
um, that you'd put, put like a muffin in, and it'd have the the ridges, um, bit of metal, and it was, I'd say, it must have been. It wasn't massive, um, but it was it was noticeable. Bit, I remember it was spinning as well, and this was this was before um, drones were kind of becoming a thing. So this, I don't think drones. I think drones have been around for years, but this definitely was not a drone, and there was no sound again. But when I looked at it, it, it I can remember time almost feeling like it stopped or it was just slow. It was really bizarre, um, and I didn't report that one because I just thought. I didn't necessarily want that to happen to me again, with the whole being followed by black cars and people coats and hats and, yeah, just... So, yes. Um, yeah, and I've just had, I, yeah, weird experiences. Um, and I seem to have, I just seem to, when I go to mediums, they always seem, they always seem to pick up that I have psychic ability. Psychic ability. Um, and I do sometimes hear voices and I do sometimes see things and... You know, not necessarily people for, for other people, but I mean, just for myself, you know, um, yeah, and I, I absolutely love it. And yeah, I thought I'd tell a few more stories, um, but I do have some more. So if you would like to know, then, you know, I'd be happy to, to share some more with you. Um, but yes, thank you for listening and have a lovely day. Bye. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for chatting to me. The Skirid Inn is Fabulous. It's a wonderful location. Uh, we did a most haunted investigation there. Wow. And it's definitely haunted. UFO encounters too. Wow. It, it, you've got it all. Do you think the man that you encountered could have been a man in black? I possibly think so. Little word of warning. If you do see a UFO, maybe not contact the Ministry of Defence. You never know. You might have people following you the next day. Now, joining us is author and paranormal enthusiast Imogen Edwards-Jones. I'm delighted to be joined by Imogen Edwards-Jones. Now, Imogen is a regular member of the London School of Psychic Studies and is also the author of The Witcher's Daughter, a novel based on the real-life black magic from the Montegrin Princess and her daughter. Welcome, Imogen, and congratulations with your book coming Thank out. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be here. Oh, how lovely. Now, we want to talk about black magic. Um, yes. And this sounds right up our street. My daughter, who is who is uh, a witch in training, she will be very okay. excited that I'm talking to you. So just tell us a little bit about the book, what it's about, and how did you come to be writing about it? It's, it's a quite a long story, so I'll just go for it. Uh, so in 1992, <laughs> that's how old I am, uh, I was in Russia, <laughs> And I uh, met this lovely uh, guy called Nikolai who told me this brilliant story about these girls who were called the Black Princesses because they were from Montenegro, which is the Black Mountains. And they married into the Russian court and they were the girls who were responsible for bringing in Rasputin. And uh, they were obsessed with the occult and black magic. And they used to do incredible spells and uh, sort of table tip, tarot, uh, seances, talk to dead people, all that stuff. And it took me about 10 years to actually research them because they were on the periphery of history. Because obviously history is only ever really written by the victors or the men. And so women don't really get a look in. Uh, and so they were always mentioned in passing in little lots and lots of books, particularly all the sort of biographies of, of Rasputin. But um, it was very, very, very hard to get all the detail about them. 
So it took quite a long time. And this is the story of them and their sort of lust for power and how they how they sort of altered the course of history by bringing in Rasputin and basically brought down an empire. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And that was the beginning that was the first book, which is called The Witches of St. Petersburg. And this is the second one, which is the follow-up, which is how they escaped um, the Civil War and the Revolution and escaped down to the Crimea, which uh, and how they were rescued by the British off the beaches of the Crimea. So what happened to them in the end? In the end, they uh, escaped. And when so many people actually died, they were the ones who escaped. And Militza, who's the eldest sister... Uh, she um, escaped and went to live in France and then was eventually caught up in the Second World War and lived in the Vatican for about four years. Huh. So I just love the idea of a witch no. in the Vatican, which is such a whole, whole other story. She's amazing. And anyway, she died yes. in 1951 in Alexandria, where all the, all the sort of old royals who uh, had no countries to run ended up... Uh, living in Alexandria, you know, playing, uh, uh, gambling with matchsticks because they had no money or countries to run anymore. Uh, it's a really extraordinary story and they're absolutely true and they're amazing and I've been in love with them for a very long time, as you could imagine. Wow, I'm going to have to get your <laughs> book. I'm, I'm actually going to be ordering it. Can we get yes, it on you Amazon? Can. Yes, can you, yes, can you yes. get it there? Wonderful. Well, I shall, I shall be ordering that because that is right up my street. It really, really is. I, I, I mean, you need to write the next bit, The Princess I in the know, Vatican. I know, You know, The Witch I'm in the Vatican. I'm dying to do The That's, Witch in the Vatican. That would be extraordinary. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, please can you imagine? do that. What was she yes. doing there? It's a fan- 
<laughs> what were they saying to her? Do you think they were trying to exorcise her? Do you think, I mean, what was I going know, on? During that period, weirdly, religion and the occult and religion and sort of esoteric religions were all very much all part and parcel. I mean, if you see, you know, all the bells and smells of Catholicism, I mean, you know, they're, they're not that far removed from uh, from whatever else was going on at the time. Do you know what I mean? So I think maybe they had more in common than they actually think. It's incredible. So do you actually, do you really believe from everything that you've read and 10 years of mm. research, do you believe that they really were, you know, the, the things that they were doing, the black magic, the spells and so on, do you think that they were creating something real? Do you think that Rasputin was the real I deal see, I mean, that is such a good, brilliant question and it's really really hard to to answer i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> Rasputin definitely had something can i be rude he had a very yes. very very big member that's for sure <laughs> now how do you know this well because it's been documented how, how do you know this see he's very famous for his wow. enormous manhood but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's no, a man of course of dark not. Art, no. Surely you can imagine. <laughs> no, but there was something sort of slightly sort of, di- sort of diabol- diab- diabolic, diabolic, like of something of the devil. Yes, diabolical. Well, yes, because he. Yes, I mean, I look know. at him. Look at I his know. face. And if you've ne- if anybody listening has never seen or doesn't know about Rasputin, go online now. Pause this. Go online now, and you look at a picture of Rasputin and tell me that that's not a demonic man with a rather Very large, large member. member with a water on just the end of it. About. If that, just so you know, oh yes, what extra pleasure? Just thought I'd put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> See, he was. So the ladies loved him. Obviously, uh, he was their bit of rough. Oh my so God. he had. A, he had. He was passed around court like a sort of exotic toy boy although just one look at him and you think no thank you wouldn't go anywhere near him um I imagine his breath smelt terribly um but he was there was something amazingly hypnotic about him so he had his incredible sort of piercing blue eyes which were you know the color of a Siberian winter sky I mean really incredibly beautiful um and he he was a sort of a guru in a weird way so he would I mean, famously, he uh, helped the, uh, the with the Tsarevich, the little boy who had haemophilia, if you remember. Yes. And yes. so that's, that yes. was when he really came into his sort of peak peak of power was because he was the only person who could calm this little boy down because he was a haemophiliac and, you know, every time he fell over, uh, there were terrible bleeds all the time. And and the Russian family and the Tsar, and they all took him under their wing, didn't they? And they everything he to said, everything yes. that he said yes. and everything. It was sort of like the, the king's hand totally, in a way. Yes. It was really, you know, in his in his ear. But and 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 the powers that be, they didn't like this, mm. did they? So tell me if I'm wrong at any point. Not they did, at all, did no. not like this one bit. You're you know, this man no. is becoming far too powerful and you know, yeah. he's a he's a he's a devil. But he was trying to control government policy exactly. and war and all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So they, obviously that's why he, he was um got rid of eventually in the end. When they because they shot him, didn't they? And um yeah. didn't he it was something like so many bullets or, or, or there was something really odd about yes. how he well, died. There's a huge myth about about how he died. So he was supposed to be poisoned with cakes. So he was yes. supposed to have been murdered by Prince Yusupov, who is a very, very camp, rather beautiful, incredibly rich individual. He's the richest man in Russia at the time. And he was uh, he was a member of the Bullingdon Club, 
Princess Newpoth. He was educated at Oxford University. And uh, he's the least likely murderer you'd ever see in your entire life. Um, he used to dress up as as a girl and uh, and uh, run around in the streets of Paris. Right. And he used to be, I know, he's a very flamboyant, brilliant character. Have, you wouldn't really have him in a lineup as a murderer. But anyway, <laughs> so he supposedly laced some cakes with arsenic and, and Rasputin ate the cakes uh, with a bottle of Madeira, which is what his, what's his favourite tipple, and uh, and he didn't die. Uh, so there's m- lots of theories about this. As a, the cyanide was rubbish. Uh, B, your Rasputin had been eating apple pips and apricot kernels his entire life, so he was immune to arsenic because he had this thing called mithridization, which is you if you eat a tiny bit of poison every day, you can't be poisoned. Yes, yeah. So he was immune to arsenic. And the third one was that, uh, that they gave him the wrong cakes. So he didn't die. And then he and then he, and he ended up being shot three times, once through the head. And then eventually he was thrown into the, uh, the Neva River. And when they pulled him out like a block of ice, uh, three days later, he was there was supposed to be his fingernails are supposed to be scratching at the ice to get out and his lungs were supposed to be full of water. So in fact, having been shot three times and, and fed arsenic, he's he actually died of drowning. That's incredible. That's the story. That's, that's a, and <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It is great. And so do you believe, like I said, that, that he was, um, I suppose dabbled in black magic so much that he became mm. otherworldly i suppose well every, yes i mean i think he made people believe that i mean there's one thing that was really uh, interesting that i found in my research was uh so there's lots of stories about how he brushed you know, th- pushed all the court doctors away and said you know leave the boy in peace after he'd have a fall and a terrible bleed you know, leave this boy in peace what he needs to be is left in the quiet to sleep, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and what he was in fact doing was pushing the doctors away, who were giving him aspirin, which was the the new wonder drug of that period, which was you know absolutely had only just been invented, and everyone thought it was a cure all for everything. But obviously, if you know about aspirin it now, it's a blood, blood thinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're a haemophiliac, the last thing you need <laughs> is aspirin. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you know, uh, was he fortunate? Or was he a guru? I don't know. I mean, I I think he's a guru, but I mean, lots of people would say that that you know he was just a fortunate person. But in in my novel, my the witches manifest him and they bring him into uh, into uh, the city because they're losing their power and they bring him in as a sort of manifestation. They call they do this manifestation spell in the middle of the book and. Uh, and he arrives, and he arrives. Uh, sort of slightly in the same sort of like he looks like the waxwork that they made. <gasps> how fa- sort of oh, how wonderful! <laughs> so, so obviously you've got to, you have got to have always been interested in, uh, or you know, in, in the paranormal and and witchcraft mm. and so on. Um, and as I said at the beginning, you're a regular member of the London School of Psychic Studies. Mm. So, have you had your own paranormal experiences? I've I've had loads of weird experiences. I used to have a girlfriend who was a medium, and this is how it really started. I had this girlfriend who was a medium, and we used to get really drunk in uh, in <laughs> London and and try and get home. And she would manifest cabs, 
So we would stand on the street corner slightly swaying, a little bit drunk. And I was going, Jessica, come on, we've got to get home. Wait a second. Three, two, one, and here it is. And she would manifest these cats. And uh, so that's how I first really got interested in that. And that was in the 90s, a long time ago. And uh, and she was a medium and uh, she did speak to you know, dead people. And going around Soho with her at night was really weird because she was always being distracted by spirits because Soho is incredibly haunted because it was built on a plague pit. I didn't know that. I didn't know Soho was built on a plague pit. That's That, mm. that explains a lot. That explains everything about the energy there, <laughs> yes, doesn't it? Yeah, how fantastic. <laughs> so, it's, so it started off with her and then when I fell in love with these witches... Uh, she was a member of the London College of Psychics. She was doing the advanced mediumship course. Um, And she said to me that I should go uh, to the London College to learn, because if I'm going to write about these things, I should learn about them, because, you know, there's no point in writing about uh, mysticism if you don't know anything about it. So then I went and I I started off in the library at the college and... uh, she said to me, I said, what, what books should I get? And, she, and there's, there's a, it's an amazing library, by the way. It's got lots of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's books and things because he's one of the big sponsors of the, of the London College. He was a patron. It used to be the, the Spiritualist Society. And after the First World War, when everyone lost all their brothers and uncles and boyfriends and husbands and uh, fathers, everyone went to the college to try and speak to their you know their lost relative and uh and Arthur Conan Doyle was um was the president of the society so lots of the money from Sherlock goes to the college oh, that's interesting right which is fabulous but there are lots of his incredible books there mm. beautiful big leather bound mm. copies of these incredible books anyway so I went into the library and I said to my friend Jessica what should I uh what books should I um, choose? And she said, oh, just stand there and they will make themselves known. (laughs) I like your friend. Yeah, so I stood there and I just wandered around and thought, oh, I'll grab that one. Mm, That one looks good. One of them fell off off a shelf, so I picked that one up. Brilliant. It was brilliantly random. Uh, So that was really good fun. I mean, it's an amazing place. I've described it before as Hogwarts for grown-ups. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I mean, that's... That's what it is. And I do remember I went to uh, an advanced dowsing course, you know, which when they're looking for water yeah. and all that sort of and energies and things. And I took my two children who are very little at the time. One is very dark with huge black eyebrows. And the other one is very little with very tight, blonde, curly hair. And I said, told them to sit in the library and I was just going to walk up the stairs and I said to one of them, you can read the book on the devil and you can stare and pretend to be Hermione Granger and see if you can move books with your with your brain. I had to keep them busy for 10 minutes. So then I walk up the stairs and I hear this massive crash of this and a scream. And I run back downstairs and there's this poor uh, secretary who'd been bringing in a tray of stuff. And she just dropped it and stared at them. And she went, oh, my God, I thought they were ghosts. I'm really sorry. It happens all the time here. <laughs> I wonder. You can imagine seeing these two little children in a library. Wow. It's enough to absolutely blow your mind. It's like, oh my God, they're horrible. I bet, uh, well, I, children. I bet that actual building is, is haunted as well. I presume it's an old building. 
Yeah, there's lots of weird energy in there. It's fascinating. So I did things like I did the uh, scrying course, which is crystal ball reading. Yeah. Uh, and we were taught tassamancy tea leaves. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's really, really good. I mean, it's brilliant. It's really exciting. I'd love to go. If I lived in London, I would be. I would be living there. I would have my. Oh my! Flat. You should. Yes, I, I. I really do, and I want to get in touch with them because um, yes. this tapping and knocking phenomena, which you, I'm assuming, have heard um, when you've done your paranormal. Um, you know, you've mm-hmm. had your experiences. Have you ever heard that? Have you heard the knocking and the tapping, and it spells tapping out tapping and knocking? You know, spells no, out. I, no, I haven't. Oh gosh, that yes. <laughs> well, you see, I don't like you that. don't like that. But you see, I want. I've been trying. Sorry that everybody listening. She's going. Oh, she's going on about this again. Um, but I need some scientists to come with me and measure. Okay. We need to find out how the spirit okay. world are using this. I'm I'm doing this now, but it's you know, it's that it's rapping, it's the knocking, but I'll point to letters yes. and they'll spell out their first name, their surname, the date that they died. But Yvette, can I ask you a question? Is that when you're doing a sort of a board or something? No. Is that what you're doing? No. Are you trying? No. <laughs> okay. There's lots of lower astral people who start to do play around with us you know that oh yes I know I know that but what I my yeah. point is is that we can have a conversation with um, departed loved ones that will actually give specific messages tap out using yes. using the alphabet to their loved ones yeah. and that to me yeah. I find absolutely fascinating and I think that science should be more on the ball with it. I really do. I think that they should be, you know, sort of thinking, hang on a minute, we're getting messages here from another realm or whatever, another, Mm. and they're not. And I find that Mm. really disappointing. You know what? The Victorians did do that. Yes. So the Victorians took their uh, paranormal uh, um, spirit, ghost world, very, very oh, seriously. Oh, yes, spiritualism. It was, yes. it was the and whole thing, yeah. Huge, yeah, really huge. And they would research so many different things. If you go to the college, they've got amazing uh, lots of uh, old newspapers. They used to be the spiritualist newspaper. You could read all different stories about spiritualist phenomenon and what was going on at various points, and they're—I mean—they're incredible. But they will tell you about uh, about about knocking and things like that. That's that's you do that in your mediumship course. But that's what I'm saying is that shouldn't science yeah. be taking it seriously? Because yes. we take it seriously yeah. because we believe well, in it's it. It's lazy not to. Well, is, <laughs> it, is it just lazy? Well, I don't know. <laughs> or is it the fear because they don't have an answer for it? I don't know. It to me, I oh, it gets me so frustrated and cross because this could give. I mean, you know, this could give so much comfort to so many people, mm. couldn't it? You know, yeah. the loved ones coming through and giving them specific messages. Um, yeah. You know. Anyway, blah blah blah. I could go on and on and on about. It. That's why I need to go to yeah. the London School of Psychic Studies. That's why I need you to should. go. Yes, you should. <laughs> But I mean, so when I did my when I did my mediumship course, which is talking to dead people, obviously, mm. um, there was uh, we did this exercise where you have to you have to it all starts with meditation. So you have to open up like a lotus flower, yeah. and you and you have to walk down this very long spiral staircase. I mean, all in you know in your head, obviously, yeah. and trying to someone meditation. And then we had this I had this amazing teacher called Jeffrey. He said, "Okay, let's open the door and see who comes in." 
obviously nobody physically came in but obviously spirit came in and you were we were supposed to read for the people opposite us and so this person said to me um i've got a woman standing behind you who comes with the sound of peacocks which is weird because I wasn't born and brought up in India, sadly. Uh, I was born up, brought up near Birmingham, but opposite, <laughs> opposite my house was a farm where they reared peacocks. Oh wow! So as a child, I would lie in bed at night in the summer and listen to peacocks all night. And she was the person who lived opposite me who'd come to say hello, my neighbor, old neighbour. How did you feel about that? It was lovely. She was, I really loved her. So it was gorgeous to have a bit of a chat. Uh, But what's interesting is that the person who was doing the reading for me couldn't have possibly known that 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 was plausible or possible. So to open with, she comes with the sound of peacocks was quite a brave opening statement. Do you know what I mean? If you're not sure of what what, what you're listening to or whatever. Oh, I, I think it's absolutely, well, you know, I find it absolutely fascinating. Yes. It's, my, it's my total and yeah. utter life. I I, I, yes. I think it's wonderful. And when you hear stories like your story, I, it, honestly, I'm beaming because I'm just like, it's so lovely when you go and do a sitting, whether it be a medium or you're, you're doing a seance or whatever, mm. and you get something specific just for you that blows yes. your mind. That to me is like, yes, I could, I do a little jig. Yes, I get so excited, yes. you know, it's absolutely but- but also, what spirit, spirit works in a very different, weird way, though. So Jessica, back to my friend who manifests cabs, she <laughs> she she uh, she read for my sister, and uh, and she said to my sister, um, "I can taste this horrible. Your grandmother's here. I can taste this horrible menthol, disgusting menthol stuff in my mouth." And she said, "It tastes like Vicks, oh. you know, the Vicks vapor rub." Yeah, and my sister's nickname when she was a tiny little girl was Vix, as in Vixen, because she was so badly behaved. So she was called Vix. So my grandmother was coming through talking to my sister, and the, uh, but she'd had to use a different way yes. in order for Jessica to communicate yeah. it. Yeah, it's weird, isn't I it? Which I thought was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, because they give you different images, don't they? They give you smells and images, yeah. and you think, what doesn't make sense to us will make sense to that person. So you just, even though it sounds exactly. crazy, you've just got to yeah. say it, you know. Oh, Imogen, it's been an absolute blast. It really, <laughs> really has. Do I want you to do your own promotion for your book. So tell us the title of it and when it's out and where we can get it. So The Witch's Daughter is out on December the 7th. So it's a perfect Christmas present for anyone who likes a bit of occult in their life. Right. Well, I'm getting it. The Witch's Daughter is out in <laughs> December. Get a, get it for either yourself and get it for a family member. Wrap it up because it, it really does sound absolutely fantastic. Imogen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you come on. The- oh, thank you. No, me. I oh, me too. I hope you come back on the show and talk about more of your uh, paranormal experiences and more of your work. I'd love yeah, to. That would be amazing. I'd love Imogen, to. Imogen Edward Jones, fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's get the answer to this week's fact or fiction. And to remind you, it was the evil eye, which is a symbol often seen on jewellery used for protection against bad luck, dates back as far as 3000 BC. Well, what do you think the answer is? Fact or fiction? 
Well, you're shouting at me now, aren't you? It is indeed fact, yes. Uh, There is mention of the evil eye in Roman and Greek texts, as well as the Quran and the Bible. I have an evil eye at home. It hangs in my kitchen. I also have, what's it called now? Mary gave it to me. I think it's a nag stone. I think that's it, a witch's nag stone. And that's supposed to stop evil from coming into your house uh, as well. Um, And I also had a bracelet and a necklace with the evil eye on it. Do you think I'm a little bit worried? (laughs) Anyway, get in touch with us and share your stories uh, at this address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp. And just like Ben, get in touch. Tell me of your experiences. Share your stories uh, with me because we all want to hear them. Uh, and the number is 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram. Have a look at the picture of Alistair. Let me know what you think. Creepy or just a guy that likes to dress up? You let me know. Here's the handle. It's at Paranormal Activity Pod. And you can stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And I'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormal.com paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early have a great week stay safe and remember things aren't always as they seem